0: Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening.
1: Greetings in the name of the Lord and welcome to Warren Radio. This is Tower and I'm here with the Watchmen and we are glad you joined us. Please send all your prayer requests and correspondence to us through our contact page at warn-usa.com. And you can listen to our Warren Radio episodes on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Warren Radio is now on the following platforms: Amazon Prime Music in Podcast, Spreaker. Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, Castbox, Google Podcast, Deezer, Spotify, and Anchor. And do not miss these posts on warn usacom and DanaGlenSmith.com. The nations are drunk on the wine of the harlot. We are careening down the prophetic word of God as it has been revealed. As we see the nations in turmoil, we see the rage. Post-Christian Fiction Conspiracy Behind the Conspiracies Prophetic Christian Fiction Books That Are Prophecy Driven Set in America That brings you into the world we live in. The setting for both books in the Steel series is America. The hewn stones of the Lord. Planned from the beginning. Fulfilled in time. Redemption fulfilled. Hewn stones. Cut not. Nor created by man. The Lord's work is perfect. Lion. And Prophet Biblical Truth reveals itself as a warning to all those who take God's commandments lightly. To those who do not see the truth of judgment, one day it will bring you face to face with it. And do not miss these posts on warn-usa.com. Presence of Hope Series at Warren Radio Classic Series. To Moses, it is assured that the Lord would go with them as he had always been there before. To the Christian through Christ, we are assured that he will be with us, in us, and leading us. Deception Done in Secret Secrets of God and Men, Part 9 on Sound the Shofar Deceptions done in secret is where the power lay in winning battles. No more open warfare it is all planned purposeful and dangerous the lord's vineyard isaiah's prophetic book part 58 on battle lines the lord's prof- vineyard greets us with providence judgment reproof redemption mercy and god's overflowing love it is here that the song was to be sung of the valley of the red Wo- of the vineyard of the red wine And be sure to get your copy of The Rising by the watchman Dana Glen Smith. The Rising continues the story of Mac, a former black ops sniper, and details the takeover of America. There's danger and intrigue. The nation is at risk, and Mac battles to survive the forces bent on destroying him and America. Can he save the United States? Find out by getting your copy of The Rising. By going to dana.glinsmith.com And at our, on our Christian Books and Reference Resource Shop. You will be able to purchase your book there. And also while on Dana Glenn Smith. Be sure to sign up for the Warren Radio Newsletter. And now I welcome in the Watchman. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight?
0: Well, you know, in spite of the election, I'm doing good.
1: Yeah, it's... Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight?
0: Well, I'm doing good. Here we are on a Thursday night, yeah, Battle cool. Lines.
1: Beautiful night.
0: Oh, yeah. We had a lot of... Uh, quite Well, not a lot of snow, but we did get a good amount.
1: Well, four or five inches is a lot of snow to me.
0: And uh, then it cleared up, blue sky, still chilly though. But uh, at any rate, we are here again, Thursday night, going to deal with Isaiah's prophetic book. I like this book. I do too. And there are just so many things in it. It's rich. Yeah, you know, from the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. And the prophecies concerned with that. And of course, all the prophecies concerning Judah. And uh, just a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: And we also have uh, the millennium and just tons of stuff yet to come. Some of the, I think, really, some of the really rich stuff is coming. You know, of course, we are in 50. We've, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of good stuff uh, regarding the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, prophecies and stuff, so. We're in Isaiah 51. It's hard to believe we've done 51 chapters.
1: Almost.
0: Yeah. Well, I did. I'm already through the book. I just got to teach it now.
1: Yeah. Okay, Okay. are you ready?
0: Yeah, we're ready.
1: Okay. Redeemed of the Lord is now in part 157 on battle lines in our Isaiah's prophetic book. Herein lays the hope and future of Israel, which one day will be one house, not two. It will also include the Gentiles. For the scarlet thread of redemption runs through this book as it does for others. We find... Though that judgment can and will come against a people who are lawless and stubborn, pride, blindness, and iniquity all had devastating effects on Judah, as we have learned. Yet it stands as a final warning to the nation of Gentiles God stands as judge over the whole earth. And now back to you.
0: Well, here we are again. And uh, we're going to be beginning at verse 8. But uh, you're going to see that redeemed of the Lord. And we've used that as uh, before in some of these. Because being redeemed is a big part of what God does, especially with Judah. And although he sends them into judgment for what they did, and he and of course we went through the parts where he explains why he did that but there's there's that redemption we find in here of judah but see that redemption of judah you know david wilkerson used to say that whenever he sees judah he sees the church and there's a when we talk about prophecy and talking about types you know God is a redeeming God I mean he wouldn't have messed with the Gentiles if he if he wasn't the redeeming God I mean let's face it you know I'm a Gentile you know I mean I was a pagan so is Tower you know I know a lot of them now they're child you know children of the king and and they're not pagans so we're living in a nation now that is is a worse pagan than I was. I mean, America is really right on that place where, where they're in trouble. And so when you talk about nations, you can't forget the Lord God because he is the governor of the nations. Isaiah 51 8 For the moth shall eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation now whenever I see something like this I'm reminded of the word that talks about where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched describing hell the fires of hell and you know there is nothing like scripture to come up with something you know when it's written that that will tell you exactly now see the moth shall eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool and we're talking about the insignificance of man now you see the thing of it is is without God's grace we would have nothing and in the time of Judah without God's forgiveness and without him rest restoring Judah they wouldn't even have lasted they they wouldn't even have been able to been found in history but God has kept Israel and he'll continue to keep Israel even if Israel sins and has trouble he will deal with them God is not going to cast off Israel, just like he's not going to cast off uh, Christians, believers. But we really look here at the insignificance of man compared to the Lord. And you know, men, especially today, you know, we live precariously in a place where we blaspheme God on a daily basis and we care not. But see, God's going to hold all men and women You know, all humans, people, accountable for what they do. You know, and the other thing of it is, man perishes daily. You know, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people, and and of course, uh, that have died lately. And we always used to say they all die in threes, but I think we've got more than that that died this time. But, uh, you know, it's just that, Man himself is insignificant, and he's insignificant to the point that nobody, you know, I mean, if someone dies, I mean, that's the way it is, but the insignificance of man is made great by the fact that God is not going to let man perish. If you perish, it's because you're wicked, because you refuse God's call to come to him but this again when we talk about nations of men and Judah here especially you know if god didn't move to do something there wouldn't have been a judah so we look at this little phrase the moth shall eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool but my righteousness shall be forever, my salvation from generation to generation. And and the whole point here in verse 8, my salvation from generation to generation, and my salvation is also coupled with the other phrase, my righteousness shall be forever. And so, you know, these are the two things, my righteousness and my salvation, and they go hand in hand. And even though Judah was in terrible trouble before the Lord, yet the Lord was going to redeem them, going to bring them out, and they would be part of that, my salvation and my righteousness. And you see, this is where we're dealing with the Lord that is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, and everlasting from generation to generation. And, you know, Job... I I like Job because Job brings in some things here. Shall mortal man be more more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? No. There's no way. But see, mortal man many times think they're more just than God because they're allowed to think on their own and do whatever they want. I mean, we look at what we're doing today. We've got technology and everything, and we really ignore uh the righteousness of God. America don't care that there's a God. Really? They don't. They they don't care that there's going to be judgment someday. You know, I mean, after all, you know, how long has there been Christianity in America since the beginning? He hasn't done nothing. So what do we care? And we see nothing but a lot of lawlessness and godlessness in this country and many other things. And so we're, you know, when, when you start looking at the pinpoint of why God works among the nations, he has to work among the nations because he wants to bring man into his kingdom. That's what he wants to do. But he's, he can't do it unless you're going to listen. Unless you're going to repent. But I like uh, Job beginning, shall mortal man be more just than God? Well, in America, we would think, oh, yeah, sure, I'm more just. I mean, where's God anyway? You know, and and so we could, that is the arrogance of men. And that's really the reason. And you see this, you know, when we're dealing with scripture a lot. and, And we begin to go through it and understand what's being said. You know, we we see that arrogance, you know, and God looks at him and, you know, he's from generation to generation. I mean, before God, there was no, there, there's no before God. I mean, in the beginning for us, you know, God was there and his spirit moved upon the deep. And, you know, that's creation. But before God, where was he? Tower and I used to talk about this years ago. Many, many years ago. You know, where is God? Where was he in the beginning? Was he just alone? When did he make, when did he create the son? I mean, see, we are the, you know, the newcomers here. God is the ancient of days. And so when you're dealing with Judah and dealing with God going to redeem him, I mean, how hard is it for him to pick him out of Babylon and bring him home? Not hard at all. And so it's just like when you're believing for miracles. Is it harder to believe, uh, you know, uh, for God to heal you of some little illness than it is to raise the dead? It's no harder for God to raise the dead at all than it is to heal something or someone. See, and that's where we come in because we are limited. We are mortal man. And when we get redeemed, we're still mortal men and mortal women, but we've been redeemed. We got God's spirit and God works throughout our life to get us to see the potential that he has given us. And many times we, we don't see it. Many times we get, you know, we get, uh, you know, uh, timid or we get full of fear, or, you know, it just the way we are. <clears throat> but a lot of these things that we look at here, Isaiah 66. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I shall make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain, speaking to Judah. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me. Now see, if we get into Zechariah, the last chapter, you'll find more on that, because in You know, when the Messiah comes and he's going to rule and reign, that's the millennium. They're going to go from one Sabbath to another, from one new moon to another, and they're going to celebrate those things. (laughs) And you get into Zechariah and you can really see it there. And uh, Revelation doesn't really tell us a lot uh, about some of that. Isaiah does, and Zechariah tells us some. But uh, you you get in Revelation, you know, I mean, we have, uh, uh, you know, the bride coming (coughs) down, which is the new Jerusalem, the spiritual Jerusalem, the city of God. And we don't really know what happens after that. In Revelation, it kind of leaves you there. And to be redeemed is enough, but what's after that? We don't know. But we get glimpses when we look at some of the prophet. Now, see, this is another one. This is interesting, because in the same thing where it says, Uh, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another from one sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me for the worm shall not die neither shall their fire be quenched and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh this will be in the lake of fire and this is this is literally in the end time they will be able to See, because you're going to have a couple of scenarios here. You're going to have a couple of things because there is the fact that revelation and what's going to happen on the earth is going to be terrible. Even Peter says it's going to be burned up. The heavens and the earth are going to be burned up. And he says, what manner of men ought to be in all holy conversation? And so when you talk about The use of nuclear weapons, which we're getting ready to do. We have uh, Putin talking about creating a million and a half new recruits in Russia to fight off the EU. You have Ukraine that is uh, openly going to the WEF and BlackRock to get money to become, uh, you know, infant of the European Union and the whole nine yards. So we're building ourselves up for a cataclysm. And so you look, you know, in the day when everything is over, you'll be able to, and there is more prophecy on this, and I'm not going to follow the the line that, but you will literally see the carcasses and it'll take six months to bury the dead because of the, of the, um, Oh, there'll
1: be so many.
0: (laughs) There'll be so many, but uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the word, and I can't think of it right now. You know, uh, radiation and all that other stuff. Yeah. Because it'll affect the ground, and uh, I mean, it's not going to be a pretty uh, picture. But see, and you'll see the bones in there. But when you get and you understand that there's going to be a lake of fire and death and hell are going to be thrown into that, you're going to see people perishing in that fire, but they won't perish. They will live forever in the lake of fire, burning, the worm won't die, and the fire is never quenched, eternal torment for what they've done. And that's where, you know, when you look at it, you know, they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that are transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall the fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh so if you if you're redeemed and you know you're around at this time, which most people will be if they're redeemed, you're going to see that see you if if you really knew where hell was going to go, you're you're not going to go rule with the devil, okay? The devil is going to be in there and pouring unto all flesh as well in the lake of fire. And the smoke of their torment is going to come up before the Lord God. So this is nothing you want to mess with. God has given you grace. He's given you the ability to repent and come unto him. That's where you want to stay. You don't want to go this other way. You know, uh, and that reminds me today, I was on our, um, watching all of our feeds, and we get a lot of people following us, and one of them was Lucifer, and I'd never seen him before, and he liked two or three posts, and, uh, and of course he's dressed in black, and of course right away we know it's, it's a kid, why? Because Lucifer is not going to be dressed in a black hoodie. Okay? Lucifer is an angel of light. He's a deceiver. So make no mistake, the only time he's going to lose his light is when the final judgment comes. and He's going to be down there in the lake of fire. So, see, we have people that, that are utterly fascinated with the devil. we got... A Satanist church in America, that shouldn't be here, but it is, you know, and we've got a lot of kids, and of course, because um, we deal with a lot of social media and stuff, I have all kinds of types that that are following us, that like our stuff, but that doesn't get them saved. You can like everything we do, and that ain't going to save you one bit. That ain't going to bring you closer to God, it ain't going to do nothing. If you're not going to listen to the message, if you're not going to listen seriously, and when you hear it, take the word that lit your heart and get into the word of God, study it, and then repent. That's the whole idea. I don't sit here, you know, when we do this, just to sound good and get off it. No, this is the word of God. And the Lord says that every word of the word of God is a seed. And that goes forth, and it doesn't return to the Lord void. It will always accomplish that which he has determined it to do. So if you hear the word of God and reject it, that is what it's intended to do at that point. Because we're talking judgment. So let's move on. And of course, in Revelation 14, In verse 11, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast, his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now that's Revelation 14. That's yet to come. So the smoke of their torment, okay? And so all of this started when we got back here and we looked at the moth shall eat them up. Because there's a difference between those God calls and those who have rejected the Lord. See, there's a difference here. The Lord is eternal. Those who follow him will be eternal as well. But those who come up against his people, like for instance, the Lord is going to deliver them from Babylon. Babylon and the men that are going to come against the Lord you know, and God used Cyrus, they die. It's just the same thing that when Judah wouldn't repent at the preaching of Jeremiah, they had entire army in Judah. And when Babylon came, their young lions, as they call them, this is the young, uh, the young fighters of Israel, they went out and they got killed. They laid in the street. They They were destroyed. You see, and and there is a thing when you fight God's judgment, you're fighting Him. So it, it, it's like if God decides that there is a judgment on America and it's going to come, and you try to stop that judgment, you're actually fighting against the Lord. And so that's the that's the path you have to walk. It's not like you're living in happy days in the church. Much of the church have no idea, no clue as to what the real judgment of God is going to be like. And you you play church, you go to church, you know, and you do things and whoopee hallelujah. But I'm telling you whoopee hallelujahs. We're talking about real lives, real consequences, real death, real judgment, real things that if you saw today, it would scare the yell out of you. And and when a prophet writes this, he means it. It's not here for you to think, well, I would do all right. No, you wouldn't do all right. And that's why Job asks: shall mortal man be more than God? Be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? So at any rate... So now we go down into verse nine. And so in this one, we've got about three verses together, nine through 11, nine, 10, 11. And, uh, we're going to be talking about the arm of Jehovah, which is a typical, typical phrase that we see. Uh, and, and it can be, you use human attributes, uh, To describe what God is going to do. You know the arm of Jehovah. And right here in verse 9. Awake awake. Put on uh, on strength. O arm of the Lord. So. The prophet. And this is prophecy. It's addressed to the arm. Of Jehovah. Put on strength. You, You know get ready. And the arm is the instrument. By which. You know, when God is going to execute a purpose, that's that's what you use. I mean, even in your life, you have hands and an arm, and in order to move your hand, you need your arm. Uh, and so you you get to the point and understand here that this thing is getting ready to, to move. He's saying, awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient of days, in the generations of old, art thou not that hath cut Rahab, or Egypt, and wounded the dragon, Egypt, which is represented as a monster of the waters. And, of course, we already know that the arm of the Lord, you know, that God used was Moses. And Aaron, and matter of fact, God said to him, he said, Moses, you're going to be as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be like your prophet to them. Why? Because God was backing them up. Everything they said, the Lord would work. Because the Lord is in heaven. He's not going to come down there and stand before Pharaoh. He doesn't need to. I mean, he could uh, squish him like nobody's business. I mean, it's nothing. But see, God uses men. He uses people. I mean, it wouldn't take nothing at all. I mean, you really think about it. In America, as stupid as we are today, I mean, the folly that we have in this country, and and I I fight it. I see it every day, you know, and you have, you know, young women that are probably young adults and stuff who declare that that they're a guy now or, you know, a boy or a young man declaring that he's a woman now. And there was one the other day where um, uh, a young woman, which happened to be a guy that had transitioned to a girl, was talking to another woman, was talking to a woman, of course he's not another woman, he's, he's a fake, but he was trying to tell her that, uh, the, uh, that the vaginas that the transgenders have are better than the ones that the women have originally made by God when they are created. I mean, these are the kind of things we got in America today. While your enemies are plotting your downfall. You are allowing even the people in the schools, you're allowing, I mean, Pelosi and the Democrats, they feed on this stuff and agree with these kids. I mean, this is the nonsense that you have. So when we talk about Judah going into judgment, I'll tell you, Judah don't have nothing on America today, I'm telling you. And so when we look at this, now that's this is getting prepared to deliver Judah out of Babylon. Awake, awake. He's addressing the arm of Jehovah. Get ready. You're the one that brought down Egypt. You're the one that wounded the dragon. You know, you divided the waters and you see you have Egypt, Rahab, you have the dragon, which we can refer to that simply as you can call it Egypt, but you can also call it um, the Pharaoh that tried to stand up to Jehovah and sent his entire fleet <laughs> after the children of Israel. They are going to challenge the God of heaven. They can't even get off the ground. I mean, even us today, we, we got planes. We can get off the ground. And we got a rocket. And Man, it can, might be able to make it to Mars. But do you think God's in Mars? You know, I've seen some of them 4K uh, videos of Mars. I didn't see God hanging around there. You know, and and so you've got to understand something. I mean, look at the Tower of Babel. They thought if they could build a big enough tower, they would challenge God. I mean, I mean, how big of a tower do you got to go? Do you really think that's where God is? Do you not know it says that his feet are on the edges of the earth? That there's a whole thing that is uh, that you cannot see where he is at right now. And when you see the time for the Lord to come, the heavens are going to roll away. Everything's going to disappear. And you're going to see that you were living on a planet like a bunch of small <laughs> ants. And God was up there as the keeper watching y'all. I mean, come on. Wake up. So... For 70 years, you know, the prophets saw the oppressed and suffering of the people in bondage. And God did not come near them to rescue them. It wasn't until after it was open. See, they had to go through the judgment. They are the ones that didn't listen. You know, if judgment comes to America, well, you only got it to blame yourself. And I'll tell you, I've been warning, and Tower's been right there with me, and we're in our 25th year. And, but the thing of it is you look at what's been going on the last 10 years you know we used to have people that would stand up pastors I mean there was a whole whole pile of them and evangelists you don't hear nothing they stay in their churches And they don't do nothing. And so maybe you think that this is going to roll over and go away, but it's not. You know, and that's, I I think that that's a thing here that when you look at it, what's going on? You know, Judah just didn't believe that God was going to judge him. And it's just like when the Lord came again, he went to his own. And it said in John 1 that he went to his own and they received him not. You get to John 12 and it says, but though he had done so many miracles before them, that is is his own people. You know, he was doing miracles. Nobody did miracles. And when he raised Lazarus to the dead, from the dead, the only thing the priests and the high priests could think about is how they could plot to kill Jesus. I mean, he's the son of God. He came to die on the cross. You're not going to kill him twice. He came to die. And they missed the whole thing. But you see, Isaiah goes on to say, Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, the arm of the Lord... You know, in in the time of Egypt and the children of Israel, the arm of the Lord was Moses and Aaron, his helper. When the Lord came, the Son of God, he was the arm of the Lord who was bringing redemption and salvation. And they wouldn't believe him. So here I've been, and many others, there's others, That is warning America, and y'all don't pay any attention because you don't think it'll happen. And Tower and I know. We know what it's like to talk to people that kind of, you know, say, oh yeah, but you know they don't care, they don't listen. And see, so this is the thing. God is getting ready to do stuff. Verse 10. Are thou not it which has dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, the Red Sea, that hath made the depths of the sea away for the ransom to pass over? That was Israel when they were leaving. See? And actually, that's referred to as a Baptism because they weren't over the water they were under the water and the water was over them so in the spiritual sense that was a baptism for them entering in with the lord because they had faith enough to cross the sea with the high walls of water so that was a baptism for them but see the thing that comes next because all this is context Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord, now this is also found in isaiah thirty five ten shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now that is one of the classic verses that the churches use. I mean when you sing that in church or you sing that at home, I've sung that and and you know and the Spirit of God will make that come alive, and it's just like you right there. Your you're, you're coming was singing to Zion. Everything is done with you, redeemed. Everlasting joy is on your head. And it says that they'll obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now, you talk about being born again? You know, that's what the Lord you know, the scripture talks about being born again, and that's great. But I'm telling you, the people that have been born again and truly are saved are going to be born even more when they get in this completion phase, when they are going there and they are totally redeemed in the fact that it's all over with. And guess where those are going to be that don't believe and They're going to be where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now, if you had a choice between the best dessert in the world and, say, a bunch of dirt to eat, which would you do? Well, I, being an ex-chef, would always pick the best dessert in the world. Because I've never had the best dessert in the world. I've had a lot of dessert. But you see, that's carnal. The dirt is even going to pass away. This earth is going to pass away. Things are going to be remade. You're not going to have anything the same. But you're going to have a joy and a gladness... And it isn't going to come because your flesh is full, your flesh is comfortable. It's going to come because your spirit has been set free and you have been redeemed. And when we look at Isaiah, he spends 65, 66 chapters trying to get through to people that God means what he says. It's a redemptive chapter. Matter of fact, there's one thing you can find, no matter the kind of judgment that God does. It is always intended for restoration and redemption, to bring people to himself. And if they disregard it, that's on their heads. Now in Jeremiah 30, here's a couple of things. and This is pretty much the same thing when we talk about it. For I will restore health unto thee, and I'll heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast saying this is Zion whom no man seeketh after. Now see that would have been true for a while because they were in captivity for 70 years. So he goes on to say thus saith the Lord behold I'll bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents. He's going to bring them back. He's going to give him new tents. He's going to give him entire city. He says and have mercy on his dwelling places. And the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and a palace shall remain after the manner thereof. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry, and I will multiply them, and they shall not be few, while I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. Now, see, that's the redemptive part of bringing Judah back. Judah's already been brought back from captivity. But you see, Judah and the two, you know, you talk of the two houses of Israel, they've never been joined yet. They're still forsaken. They're still separated. Israel don't even have a temple yet. And they, you know, of course, they want to sacrifice, get back to their sacrifices. And here comes Ishmael and there's a bunch of Muslims in America. So now they've passed a law where they're going to sacrifice cattle. See, a lot of this you can tell. Sacrificing cattle is not going to save you. That's in the Old Covenant. And, uh, you know, sacrificing cattle like Israel does because you're a Muslim, that's not going to help you any at all. And so there's a way... Under man, that seems the right way to go. But in the end, it brings you death. <clears throat> so you can thank God when you get into Revelation 5, 9 through 12. And here's that multitude and they're singing, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. See, he had to open the book in order to enable revelation, the revealing of Yahshua, Jesus Christ, and everything that God was going to do. And and revelation is not about the judgments. I take issue with people that say that. Revelation is about the revealing and the coming of the Son of God and the gathering of those who believe in him, and the judgment upon those, especially the devil, and all of his minions. It's about the complete and absolute destruction of all evil, and the complete restoration of everything God intended to do. That's bring his people unto himself, both Jew, Gentile, male, and female. Now that's something to shout about. Now in Isaiah 51 we've got a few more verses here and this is is always referring to the subject matter here of Judah. But I, I love this. It says I even I It's repeated twice. So whenever you see things being repeated twice and you have a bunch of things put in there, uh, praises and things, you need to pay attention. I, even I. In other words, nobody else. This is Jehovah. This is Yahweh. I am he that comforts you. Now, see, he says, I, even I. Now, this is the God of creation talking to him. I am he that comforts you. And then he says, who art thou that you should be afraid of man that shall die? You see? Because that's the way we are. You know, when when Joshua and Caleb and the whole bunch were finally able to go into the promised land, the Lord told them time and again, do not fear. And so the Jews in captivity, for one, they forgot the law, most of them. Number two, they don't even know the way home. Number three, they don't have an army to protect themselves. Four, they don't have any food. Frankly, you're sitting in Babylon, and they are powerful. You've been there for 70 years, and 70, we consider that, well, that's, that's a generation. Three score and ten, but you can have four score and ten with a lot of strength. But at any rate, you get the idea. But who are you that you're going to be afraid of man that's going to die? And the Son of Man, which shall be made as grass. Now, the Son of Man refers to man, you know, a man is what that is. And the Lord would refer to himself a lot of times as the Son of Man because he was God, fully God, and he was also man. And you see the the physical man actually exhibited in the Gospels uh, because, uh, you know, he did have to sit down because he was tired. He did produce miracles that nobody else around him ever done, let alone any prophet, you know. And he did raise up his temple, his body, after three days. He told the Jews he would. But see, when you're dealing with God, that's what you're dealing with. He's not going to deal like men. He's God. And you need to understand, even in the tribulation, that you don't look at all this stuff and fear these things. You have to have faith. And and you've got to challenge your body and your mind and your soul to have faith, to believe God, and to not look at these things because that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to capitulate. God hasn't called us to capitulate. He's called us to redemption. Christ died on the cross for you. And so in the, these section, the prophet is calling Judah to have faith. Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of the Babylonians. And don't be afraid of Cyrus and his army because I'm the one that called them. Now you see when it says comforted now this section refers to the one uh, to the fact that they're comforted because God had delivered them from Babylon. But the fact of it is this whole thing ain't over. Don't be afraid of men that may gather around you. I mean, we got a lot of things in America here that are dangerous. And, you know, man is among them. We are a murderous bunch in this country today, like I've never seen it. And they're trying to change everything about this. And they're trying to get everybody to tell them and even Google's in on it because that's a whole other issue about what they're doing to convince you what truth is. The only truth you have is the Word of God and the people that are in charge and all the techies and everything else They're not on your side. Whether you think they believe in God or not, whether you believe in God or not, you can be a Christian, you can be a pagan. These guys are not your friends. Now here, in verse 13, he says, Let me connect these two. I, even I, am he that comforts you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of man that shall die, and the son of man which shall be made as grass? In other words, you're going to die. (laughs) He'll be cut down like grass, you know, before the Lord. And I'll quote now verse 13, And forget us, the Lord thy maker, that has stretched forth the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. Where is the fury of the oppressor? And so they were afraid of the strength of the enemy. How many, how big is their numbers? But see, God is not intimidated by this. Their, their total dependence, trust and faith, must be in the Lord God. But see, God reproves them because of the lack of confidence. Because he says, and forget us, the Lord thy maker. I mean, he just delivered them. He comforted them, he got them out. Remember the children of Israel that had been delivered from Egypt. It wasn't long before they were murmuring before the, before the Lord, saying he brought us out here to die. And see, this is really the issue here, is that your faith can go from faith to blank real quick. Now see, thank God today the believers have the power of His Spirit, they have His Word, and you can do things to keep your faith going. But you see, God is not going to be a deliverer if one week you believe He can heal and the next week you don't think He can do anything. And and we're like that. You know, and and you look at the example of the Lord, You know, one week they were celebrating him as the greatest son of David there was. You know, they were celebrating him as the Messiah as he rode through the street. And wasn't long after that, they were yelling, crucify him. Well, yeah, you can crucify your Savior. Matter of fact, that's what has to happen for the atonement. But I got news for you. He's going to resurrect from the dead and he'll remember what you said. But lucky for you, he's not a vengeful God. Look at Peter. Peter denied him. But the Lord forgave him. Now see, you have a choice in your life, and things are going to get tough, to believe God and to continue to believe him. But even if you make a slip-up, He'll forgive you if you're honest enough to ask Him to forgive you. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Some of this is hard to understand. Many people are facing a lot of troubles. And I pray that this study can help you in some way to draw closer to him. Because even though Judah is in the land, God has not forsaken him. God has a plan for everybody. Father, bless this word to the hearts of those that hear it whenever they do. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. Amen.
1: Amen. This, this is so encouraging. You know, it just gives you, fills your soul with hope. Because God, I, even I, am he that comforts you.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: I do too. Nobody else.
0: And see, we need comforting.
1: Oh, especially in this day and age, and all this stuff going on.
0: And we, and we that's hope of the Lord. Yeah, and you said it. That that is so true. You know, and you, you, we need the comfort, just like Judah did. We need to know that there's something else. We need to know that the bad guys are going to be stopped. Yes. And so, that's why I like. Uh, I love the word, and and I like Isaiah. And if if you've listened to some of these, and we have people that listen to them, and they listen to them. You know, I'm, I'm always having people um, send me stuff. I mean, it comes automatically when they like something and they really enjoy it and things. But we need to take some of this and learn from it. We, we got to get out of here.
1: Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us whenever you do. We love you. We pray for you. And let the God... Let God fill your soul with his peace and his joy and his hope in him. Be comforted in him. And we love you. Good night, everybody.
0: Don't forget to go to our websites at warren-usa.com, com. Till next time, shalom, everybody.